when they don't label these things, bad things happen. For instance, there was something in the news about a, a, a patient who accidentally had a nurse start a fentanyl pump instead of a lactated ringer's pump. That's he OD'd. He died. You know, relatively straightforward procedure. And so it's, it's mission critical that these things are done, and we've got to automate it for them. Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the entrepreneurs and innovators who are transforming health. I'm your host, Logan Plaster. So when you go to the hospital for care, you accept that the outcome isn't completely under your or your doctor's control. Even with textbook health care, bad things can happen. For a variety of reasons, your health can decline. Put another way, it's hard enough when good care results in a bad outcome. But what about when a preventable error occurs? It can seem incomprehensible, bewildering, this idea that mistakes can happen in the hospital that take an already tenuous situation and make it even worse. And yet, to err is human and hospitals are full of humans, mistakes happen. Thankfully, there are brilliant people out in the world working to reduce these preventable hospital errors in creative ways, like my guest on today's show. So our first interview today is with Fox Holt, CEO of Vigilant. This startup is digitizing medication tracking by doing away with handwritten medication notes. No more scribbling instructions on the side of an IV bag, or worse, on a syringe. With Vigilant's easy-to-launch system, nurses can immediately start labeling and tracking meds in automated ways, so patients get the right dose every time, and no preventable medication errors occur. Bonus, hospitals reap the benefits of all that medication data on the back end data they were missing with handwritten labels. Let's get into the show. Here's Fox Holt from Vigilant. Fox, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Logan. Great to be here. All right. Okay. Let's talk about what you've built with Vigilant. I know uh, you're helping uh, nurses, you're helping hospitals, uh, you're decreasing burnout, you're doing a lot of great stuff, but what is the product? Well, we have a initially a, a product safety and compliance platform where we're digitizing drug delivery. Okay. So we're automating the safety steps associated with drugs that hospital clinicians prepare and give. I'm no expert in hospital medications and how they're tracked. Why was this necessary? Well, you know, example is an ICU nurse, right? When they hang in a, an infusion, they have to create three labels for an IV tube. Currently, we have about 30% of the time they're hanging one. COVID hit. A lot of these uh, kind of processes went out the window, baby boomers left. You know, it's just not a process for 2023. And it takes a lot of time and it's, it's just something that they don't get to. And when they don't label these things, bad things happen. Okay. For instance, like what? there was something in the news about a, a, a patient who accidentally had a nurse start a fentanyl pump instead of a lactated ringer's pump. That's he OD'd, he died. You know, relatively straightforward procedure. Yeah. And so it's, it's mission critical that these things are done and we've got to automate it for them. Yeah. This, is, this is something that is tremendously easy to automate. There's no PHI data. It's low hanging fruit from an automation perspective and uh, it, it provides significant impacts. How big is the problem in terms of that risk profile? You talked about that one case, but yeah. how big of a problem is it nationally? It's... It's, well, it's every area of a hospital, right? So we have modules for ORs, EDs, PACUs, oncology units. In every one of these areas, there are medications that nurses or, or clinicians, doctors are having to prepare. 
And right now, the standard of care is handwriting on syringes or just, it's just not, it's just terrible. Like writing on the side of a syringe. Yes. And it's impossible to do. Have That's you ever impossible. tried to, like, no, it's, it's impossible. impossible. So they don't do it. Okay. 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 And if they do, I'm sure that comes with its own host of sort of human error potential. Exactly. Uh, how'd you get into this? Oof. Well, I started my career in the printing industry, but, you know, in the last couple of years of my grandmother's life, she had a bad medication event, right? So a nurse accidentally gave her wrong medication. And it was, it was amazingly frustrating. It was complicated. And, you know, the anger that it goes with that. And I really wanted to do something to help it. And I had a colleague from my old Lexmark days, printing industry, who, who helped found this company. And I saw it and I saw how easy it was to implement and I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. We've talked about how reducing errors uh, in these med medication tracking could save lives. You make a mistake with a medication. What are some of the other downstream benefits of digitizing the whole process and delivering that data to the hospital? Great question. So anytime you automate a process, you digitize, you have a lot of data, right? So we can now create compliance reports. And so a CNO can say, okay, the travel nurses from this group are not doing the procedure. And so let's, let's focus on these guys or let's, let's make sure that they're doing the right thing quick or we got to work with a different agency. Yeah. Or, um, you know, we can add it to predictive analytics data. You know, the more data you're able to put these algorithms, the better it is. And so it's a whole new data set. Uh, for instance, CLAB-Cs, uh, hospital-acquired conditions. Yeah. You know, being able to understand what is going on and making sure that, you know, we were able to predict what's going to happen. Where are you at in the product rollout? So we have, you know, this, we have a vigilant verified platform, which is the automation tools. We have products actually sold to 18 of the top 40 health systems and then more. Um, and our next step is really to use those evangelist customers to spread throughout the rest of the system. Okay. So they become your evangelists. I was going to ask, what kind of responses are you getting from nurses on the front lines? So Northwestern just did a, published a poster, did a study where they saw a 75% increase in nurse satisfaction around delivering drugs. 75% increase in nurse satisfaction. Because of Vigilant or because of this concept generally? Because of Vigilant's product. Really? Uh, additionally, we're seeing 4,000 hours of nurse time saved in a unit per year. Break down why a nurse's life would be better under this paradigm uh, versus it being sort of another thing they have to go do, print out a ticket, you know, why is it really improving life? Well, because when a nurse comes onto a new shift and she's got a patient with 12 lines going through, mm. she spends time line tracing, figure out where it's going in where. And because if, if a patient starts crashing out and needs some Levifed, they, you know, it takes a lot of time to find the carrier fluid. I mean, you've, you've got to pick the right line in order to inject that drug and, and it takes time. And so there's a lot of time um, spent trying to understand what's going on. And when a patient is going from one unit to the next, like, oh, let's say they're going from the ICU back to the OR. Well, the OR team has got to figure out what's going on and they go back to the PACU and, it, it, you know, it just hits that unit every time it comes through. Um, what have the conversations been like with hospital systems? Do you feel like they understand the short-term and downstream benefits of this kind of tracking? I think... Uh, initially, they see the, the initial impacts, um, you know, the data perspective, they, they don't get as, you know, right away. But, you know, they have such problems with the burnout 
the shortage is huge. So anything they can do to make their nurses happier, uh, more efficient, um, while increasing patient safety, I mean, it's the trifecta. And uh, it's so easy to implement, right? Because our so initial solution doesn't need IT to work with. That's where a lot of the delays occur. Additionally, we price the product below capital budget, so we don't have to wait a full year. Oh, smart. So we have like a 45-day sales cycle to hospitals, right? Now, that's unheard of. Okay. Um, you're, you're selling directly into a department then? Exactly. Okay. At, at an easy price point. Easy price point. It makes significant impact. Uh, but then we've got to, you know, we have a different model for systems. Of course, we have to be very flexible um, and, and we can finance things, pay, you know, do it on a rent monthly basis, whatever it is. Very flexible. You know, you, you mentioned burnout and just making the life of a nurse better. But then I think about there's a flip side where uh, you're, 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 you're saving them from a really scary potential never event. You're, you know, the idea that a nurse could make this kind of mistake and lose their livelihood potentially. That's, right. um, that's, that's a lot bigger than making my shift a little more efficient. You know, there's this yeah. bigger upside. It's really intense. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we we do a lot of focus on the nurse benefits and, and the time saved because uh, it, you know, those never events don't happen during trials, and we need to get the ROI and sell it. However, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the never events. It's you know having really informative labels, like for instance, on our, on all our labels, we put a little tips, tricks, what to avoid. Okay, like this increases blood pressure or. A patient must be ventilated. Hmm. So it's an education piece. Oh, yeah. Bang in. Right at the point of care, right when you need Interesting. it. Interesting. And so it helps them save from a lot of errors. How do you keep all of that up to date? Well, you know, these are, you know, infusions and, and, and anesthesia drugs. A lot of these drugs, you know, it doesn't change too much, yeah. right? But, but when we do strive to put the printers on the network after they're in so that we can manage them and be able to change them easily. Okay. So you're, you're making waves, you've got traction, you're working with how many hospitals? Uh, we're now in 40 healthcare institutions. Fantastic. Okay, so what does uh, the rest of 2023 look like then? Uh, just driving. Sales? Product awareness, product awareness, product awareness, things like this to help you know, the industry know. I want every single CNO to know about this because they have teams, cross-functional teams working right now. What can they do about the burnout? I want Vigilant to be one of those tactics. I want them on the board of something they can do quickly, easily in order to start making impact. Fantastic. Fox, I appreciate you sharing with me. It's so exciting to see how something uh, seemingly simple, labeling your drugs correctly, yeah. automating, digitizing medications can have instant positive impacts for a nurse on the floor and yet have these downstream uh, positive um, impacts for the hospital and for the entire workforce. So excited to see what you do next. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Fox. Our next guest is also streamlining operations in the hospital, but with more of a mind towards provider satisfaction versus direct patient safety. Although it's easy to see where the two intersect downstream. Sanjay Silva is chief product officer at Mockingbird, a startup upgrading and streamlining the provider credentialing process. If Mockingbird has their way, gone will be the days lost to credentialing paperwork and hospitals having to scramble to find qualified workers as these standards shift from state to state. 
It will all be one unified system that keeps providers up to date with continuing education and keeps hospitals fully staffed. It's not just about paperwork either. Onerous credentialing processes lead to burnout, which push providers out of the profession entirely. But I'll let Sanji break it down. Here's the interview. Sanji, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Logan, for having me. So you are innovating in physician credentialing. And so I want you to just give me the pitch. What is Mockingbird? Yeah, so Mockingbird was uh, co-founded by two seasoned clinicians trying to take the chaos and the administrative burden out of credential management because every state, every board certification has continuing education and they're all different, different timelines. So what we did is we automated the end-to-end process when it comes to continuing education itself. We, we create a nice dashboard that's customized to the clinician, which tells you exactly what you need to do when um, so that you don't, you don't have to guess anymore. You and I have talked about this before, but because my my father's a physician, and I've seen him deal with CME. Yeah, it's a world that you wouldn't really know or care about if you weren't a physician or had someone in your family. So help me put a put a human face on this. What's the toll of an archaic credentialing system? Yeah, so the toll is especially with telemedicine now. You know, a lot of clinicians are getting twenty, thirty state licenses. Actually, we have clinicians who have 50 plus DC, so 50, 51 state licenses. They all expire at different timelines. And we have clinicians who say, hey, I took that course. I took the human trafficking course. But the reality is they took a human trafficking course, but it wasn't the very particular course that that state wanted the clinician to take. And who has time to keep up with all of this, right? And our our co-founder spent an entire Memorial Day weekend. We like to talk about this. He he knew he had to do CME, but didn't realize how much he had to do. Right. Just that. So it's a it's this last minute scrambling, and yeah. we want to get away from that. Yeah, and it's not just about missing out on Memorial Day weekend. We're in a workforce crisis. So yeah. talk to me about how better credentialing feeds into uh, fixing some of those problems. Yeah, absolutely. So with we all know that with the pandemic, the effectiveness of telemedicine has been proven. And uh, even payers, we talk to payers, they say, we want to increase capacity. How do you do that? There are a lot of our um, existing clients actually are the, the ones who have embraced telemedicine. So they want the clinicians to get more and more licenses, but it's an operational because it's an operational problem from a scheduling perspective that they're trying to solve. But the clinicians say, no, we, I need infrastructure. I need help. And so that's where we come in. And you take states out of, out of the picture, but stroke is an example. We, um, just last week, I was talking to an administrator who has spent years learning this, um, this stuff. And she's like, yeah, it's clear as mud what counts towards stroke. Um, because, again, there's no standard, so to say. Because even if you go take a course, um, it's not very clear. Does this actually count towards stroke? Will the accrediting body accept it? Now, how does your platform bleed into that area? Because there's the just the dashboard of here's what I did, my yes. CME. Yeah. And then there's the accreditation piece you're talking about that's yeah. much more complicated. Yeah. No, that's a great question, Logan. So the early few years, we spent creating what we call a rules engine. It's patent pending. Uh, we really did the work, the research to put the infrastructure in place. So now we have the rules. But additionally, 
we say to the clinician, you take the course, you go to a conference, just upload the certificate for us, upload the transcript for us. So we can extract all that data. And this is, uh, we have been training an AI model to not just extract the data, but learn because every certificate is also different. They don't all look the same. And then we can map those, uh, that data against the requirements. We do calculations behind the scenes through this rules engine and we can automatically update the dashboard. Um, so the clinician does all they have to do is do the learning, take the course and upload the evidence. Where are you at in the sort of evolution of the product? Yeah, so automation, automation, automation is kind of our theme this year with, uh, with this data extraction piece, for example, that I mentioned, We've, we've had a lot of growth uh, in terms of uh, users, clients, and we're getting tens and thousands of files. So we, uh, it's, it's not a fully automatable process, but we're doing what we can and we're iterating on it. Every week, every month, we're training this uh, model to extract data to know, oh, does it then map against these requirements? Um, so that's one, um, one kind of big focus. How has the market responded? to the offer? Uh, it's been great because as more clinicians are getting more licenses, these administrators who are supporting them really are figuring out, we can't do this. They're living in spreadsheets. It's not up to date. The rules are changing. Uh, the timelines are changing. Just recently, we had to go change uh, what the expiration date for New Hampshire is going to be because you know they decided it's, it's going to change. So that type of thing. Uh, it's been great. And the other thing I'll mention is um, we take security very seriously. Last year, we got our SOC 2 Type 2 compliance um, certification. So that also just unlocks um, this. Uh, the sales cycle is very long still. And so having that certification, making sure that we are secure makes us get our solution out to the hands of clinicians that much faster. Is there a strong cybersecurity uh, concern among hospitals when it comes to credentialing? And Absolutely. Absolutely. The reality is we don't even touch PHI. It doesn't matter. We, it's a solution that's going into a health system. Um, and, and I think that's the right thing to do in today's day and age. So just security has become that the SOC 2 certification has become table stakes, I would say. Yeah. Um, paint me a picture where you hope to be five, 10 years from now. Mockingbird has scaled the way that you, you know and dream it could be. Um, how is a physician's life different and how is kind of the workforce challenges that a hospital is facing? How are they thinking differently about them? Yeah, I think five, 10 years. Today, when I talk to a clinician, they say, oh, CME, CE. I bucket that into two different buckets. One, what I have to do, I must do, the requirements, the mandates. And I'm, I say, okay, what's the other bucket? It's what I do to learn, to actually do better at my job, right. to take better care. And so why are these two different buckets? We want that gap to be zero. There should not be a gap on that. So to us, our vision is really about, ultimately, we want the clinicians to be doing real-time learning as they are working. CME should not be its own thing. I'm just going to pause you. Uh, how does the platform encourage better education? Yeah. So I'm thinking about, I used to work with emergency physicians who would always decry having to do like CPR training. It yeah. was just one of the check boxes. Yeah. So how does the platform drive better training? Yeah, great question. So we actually, this year, we're planning to uh, launch the first version of what we are calling course recommendations. 
we have the data on all your licenses. So we are taking that data and saying, hey, doctor, if you take this one course, it'll meet all these requirements. But also we're starting to take into account the specialty. What are they specializing in? Because something that might be the requirement, but is also relevant to their specialty will be a whole lot more impactful in terms of learning. That's just the start, though. At the end, our end goal really is to be able to gather data that we have about the clinician, the clinician's preference. Uh, what type of patients are they seeing? Get, get that information from the EHRs and then be able to make recommendations on what truly will be impactful. And so they don't have to take extra time just to check a box and do CME. Instead, they're learning. They're learning the relevant material and able to, that is actually having an impact on patient outcomes. I love it. I love it. Last question. What are you most excited about, about the next 12 months in terms of new partners, new, cl new pilots, clients? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a new partner, one, one thing I'm very excited about already is um, Certify OS. So we have uh, not just partnered, but we have an actual API integration now. Because at Mockingbird, we decided we're going to focus on this niche because if we try to go across the board and solve for credentialing, initial licensure, it takes our attention away because CME is so nuanced. It requires so much work. So instead, we, uh, we are very intentional, though, about who we partner with. Um, Certify OS also has a great culture, the team. Um, and so we have worked together with them for, for months at this point. But we have multiple joint clients now, and we actually have data flowing between the two systems on production right now. I love it. I love it. Sanji, <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time with me. I'm so excited about the work that you're doing, helping physicians not just gain some of their life back, which is important, but also uh, tackling some of these bigger, thorny workforce issues and education issues. So thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Logan. All right. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back again with another episode next week.